She had lost all hope. Every dollar had been spent. Every feasible solution had been exhausted. And not only was she not any better, she was actually worse. And little did she know that 12 years ago, when the cramping and when the bleeding started, here she would be 12 years later, hunched over, hemorrhaging, flat broke, and absolutely no healing on the horizon. She had spent everything. She sold everything just to try to resolve this issue. But even if she did have a little bit of money, there was no way she was going to go back to another doctor who would cut her, poke her, prod her, give her expensive jars full of some ointment, yet empty on healing. She, she felt dirty. She felt unwanted. She felt lonely because not only was there the physical pain, there was the emotional pain. There was the social pain because any woman that had an issue of bleeding was considered unclean. And her bleeding issue was chronic, so therefore she was chronically unclean. That'll do wonders for your social life. There wasn't a friend to be found. As far as finding a man to love her, she'd given up on that dream a long time ago. I mean, she couldn't even find someone to look her in the eye, just give her a greeting. No, she was unwanted, and she was hurting, and she absolutely surrendered her life to the reality that she was going to live in misery alone on the perimeter of human society until she heard about him. Yeah, the new teacher had caused quite a stir in the area Man, he was the talk of all of the region of Galilee. He was coming, he was talking about repentance and forgiveness of sin and God's kingdom coming. He actually was teaching that he could forgive sins. Some were, te- some were saying that he was the son of God. It would be easy to dismiss all of that odd teaching if it wasn't for the healings. Word on the street was he was healing people left and right. People that were sick were being raised back to health. People had demons. Those demons were being cast out by this amazing authority that this teacher and healer had. Said they even raised a paralytic up off his bed. They said he even calmed a storm with merely his words. If this man was truly from God and he truly could heal, then just maybe, then just maybe he could heal me too. And for the first time in many years, she felt something. It was familiar, yet so very foreign. She felt hope. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Mark chapter 5. We're going to see the rest of the story together. And as you're turning in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5 verse 24, I just want to say welcome back to Cuyahoga Valley Church. And if you're a guest today, we're so glad you're here. And we're uh, week two in a new series called Never the Same. And what we're doing is we're just looking at several lives, several of many in Scripture that once they encountered Jesus Christ, they were never the same. They were radically transformed in some way, shape, or form. And uh, the the same is true for us. If, If we actually encounter Christ... I'm not talking about just bumping into him. I'm not talking about just being a fan of Jesus or knowing about Jesus. But if we reach out and touch Jesus 
and commit our lives to following him, we'll never be the same too. We'll be absolutely different, radically transformed. And so we're going to be looking at several examples of that in the weeks to come. And this week, we've got this woman here with this chronic issue of bleeding. So let's get back to that. Let's look at Mark chapter 5, verses 24 to 34, to see what happened in this story. Now, just a little context here. Jesus had just gotten out of a boat from crossing the Sea of Galilee. And he's entering into probably what was the Capernaum area. And a man fell at his feet and said, would you come heal my daughter? And Jesus said, sure. And so he was on the way to go help someone else. And then this happens. It says, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, Uh, you see the crowd pressing all around you, yet you say, who touched me? (laughs) And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Let's pray. God, Holy Father, you are a healer. Lord, you don't always heal or you heal in different ways and sometimes we think it needs to happen, but God, you're a healer. You fix things, you restore things. God, you transform lives. Lord, so many of us in this room, our lives have been transformed because we touched you, we reached out, we grabbed a hold of you. And God, for those of us in this room that, that, that can relate to that, Lord, I pray that we celebrate today, we worship today, we reflect today on the healings that you've done in our life. And God, for anyone in this room that still needs to reach out and grab you and touch you and hold you and be transformed. Lord God, would you, would you do that work in their life? Would you call them to yourself today? So Lord, teach us, instruct us, change us because of this time we're spending in your word. We ask in Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Here's the one idea that I want just to ring out today for us. I want everything that we talk about, everything that we see to kind of hang on this one big idea, which is this, bumping into Jesus changes nothing. But touching Jesus changes everything. Bumping into Jesus changes nothing. But touching Jesus changes everything. What happens for those who touch Jesus? Well, I see in this passage, there's four experiences from the example of this woman who touched Jesus. That those who touch Jesus first experience faith instead of curiosity. They experience faith instead of curiosity. When you look at verse 24, here's what we see. We see Jesus is walking. He's surrounded by a massive crowd. I want you to think front row of your favorite concert, you know? Like, this is just a moshing of people together. Massive crowd. Everybody, you know, it's like being at Cedar Point on a holiday, you know? Just everybody's just crunching in. You can't get through the crowd. And Jesus is the central figure. And everybody's bumping up against him. And everybody's trying to hear what he's saying. And just, I was, you know, I was walking next to Jesus. I saw him too. And he's just sworn by this crowd. The, the word here says throng. We don't say that. Hey, man, there was a throng at the concert, you know? This is just a, just a moshing of people, a huge crowd. They're all bumping into them. They're all curious. And some of those people in the crowd were faithful followers, but a lot of them were probably just curious. 
who is this guy? What's he going to do next? What's he going to say next? And they just wanted to be where he was at. He was like the, the, the entertainment of the day. And so they were following him to see what he would do and hear what he would say. And in that crowded scenario, this suffering woman, who had no intention of merely bumping into Jesus, reached out. Because she knew that if possible, if she could just touch his clothing, there was hope for a miracle. This woman had a laser-focused mission, and it was fueled by faith. She really believed if she could just touch Jesus, maybe even just a piece of his clothing, she'd be healed. You look at verse 27, and it gives us an indication of how she even get there in the first place. Like, how'd she even hear about this opportunity? Verse 27 says, she had heard the reports about Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was making quite a stir with his teaching about forgiveness of sin and, and, and being able to come into relationship with God and that he was the way. And he was obviously making a stir with all of his healings and his reports went out. And he was teaching about the kingdom of God and forgiveness of sin and the miracles that he performed was just causing a stir. And she heard about him and was stirred to believe that he could actually heal her issue. And she was desperate. She wanted to be made whole. She wasn't satisfied with being broken. She wasn't satisfied with the state that she was in. She wanted to trust Christ to be made whole. If you're a follower of Christ, when we read this story, I think it's so important for us to be reminded about what drew us to Christ that we had heard reports, we had heard about the goodness of God, we had heard about this God who loved us, we heard about this Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, we heard about his resurrection from the grave, we heard about these reports, and we came to Christ in faith. And it's such a key reminder that, that those days that were happening, but it's also a reminder for those of us in Christ that she heard reports about Christ which drew her to him. And that Christ has commanded and he's commissioned us to now be given a report. Our lives are just big mouthpieces, big megaphones of God's goodness to everyone who encounters us? How are people out there going to hear the reports about a God who loves them and a God who's made a way for them unless we're not speaking up? She heard reports about Jesus. So we celebrate that we one day heard a report about Jesus and reminded that that's our responsibility now to constantly be giving, that our life would be this one big report about Jesus. For some of you, you may be in the same place as this woman. You're just now hearing the reports. Maybe something's brought you here. Maybe it's a sense of guilt. Maybe it's a persistent family or friend that just won't leave you alone about coming to church. And you're like, fine, I'll go. So you stop inviting me. Maybe you're driving by and you thought there was some sort of convention going on. And you just popped in. Whatever brought you here, God's been working on you. Today, he's going to continue to give you a good report about his love for you, his grace for you, his mercy for you, what he did to bring you into relationship with him so that you can have forgiveness of sins, that there's nothing you've done that will keep you from God if you reach out and touch Christ. Now, bump into him, but reach out and touch him. Now, there's, this is a faith. Now, one of my favorite moments in this passage, and it's slightly humorous, is verses 30 and 31, right? Because you see Jesus in the crowd, and when this woman reaches out and touches him, he stops. Like, you just have to roll that movie in your mind. He stops and goes, who touched me? And he, just be one of the disciples for a moment, you know? You're walking in this crowd. You're trying to keep, you know, you're trying to be the bodyguard for Jesus a little bit, you know, kind of leave a little buffer, and everyone's touching him. Everyone's bumping into him. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops and says, who touched me? You're like, <laughs> Jesus. We've been walking 
from the shore to right here. There's like hundreds of people around you, man. What do you mean who touched you? Like, everybody's touched you. What are you talking about? But Jesus has had something, too much sun because who touched me? He knew what he was saying. Think, think about all the people in that crowd. There was two people in that entire crowd who knew exactly what he meant. So he felt his healing power leave him, drawn by the faith of a touch. And he stopped because he knew that. Who touched me? Who had the faith to reach out with everything in them and believe that if they just touched me, that they would be healed? Who was that? And you know that woman was probably in the crowd going, oh, crud. Oh, crud. We'll talk a little about that in a minute. But people, they touch Christ. It's, they experience faith, not curiosity. This, this woman wasn't curious, but she was surrounded by curious people, people who were intrigued, people who wanted to know about him. They were just bumping into him. Isn't that the truth about where we live today? It might be the truth about you. It might be the truth about your family. There's a lot of people who know about Jesus. They might even be a fan of Jesus. Oh, yeah, I like Jesus. He's a good guy, good teacher, you know, teaches some good stuff. I'm aware of Jesus. Hey, I'm a fan. I go to church. You know what that all is? Bumping into Jesus. You're just in the crowd. There's no faith. There's no life change. You might have a little bit of your religious curiosity appeased. You might get to know a little bit more information about Jesus and the Bible and the church. But that's, that's, that's just bumping into Jesus. It's, it's drawn by curiosity. But there's a, there's a threshold. There's a line where you leave curiosity and you move forward in faith. I think I know who Jesus is now. I think I understand why he came. I think I understand what the cross means now. Oh, now I understand the power of the empty grave. Wait, God loves me. And we leave curiosity behind and we cross over to this faith and we extend our hand and try to touch Jesus. When that woman extended her hand, it was an expression of her faith. She wasn't just gonna bump into Jesus, she was gonna touch him. And when she did, it was faith that she experienced, not curiosity. If you're here today and you need Jesus in your life, bumping into him is not gonna satisfy. Bumping into him won't do the job. You've got to reach out and touch him. You know, the second experience that we see here that happens for those who actually touch Jesus is they experience restoration instead of brokenness. Restoration instead of brokenness in the form of this woman here, it was a physical healing. Verse 29 says, immediately. Man, what, 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 what years and years and years of what humans tried to do, Jesus did in an instant. Now, some of you have been trying to figure certain issues out in your life for years and you haven't given Jesus a chance and he could, he could do it like that. Verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Because this reach was a reach of faith, God brought restoration to her. He brought healing and she was restored to health immediately and not just physical, not just a physical issue, but socially, but emotionally. I mean, think about this. What would 12 years of hemorrhaging look like? And we don't know what this was. We don't know if it was some sort of uh, urinary hemorrhaging or something like that, but there was something going on for 12 years. And all the Jewish laws, you look at Leviticus 15, like anything she touched was contaminated. Anybody she touched became dirty. This woman was avoided. What if starting today for the next 12 years, you were treated like a dirty outcast and people couldn't even look you in the eyes and people would walk on the other side of the street when they saw you and you were the brunt of the jokes 
And for tw- the next 12 years, no one wanted anything to do with you. And knowing that the 12 years might be the rest of your life. You think her healing was just physical? No way. He touched her heart. He touched her heart. Because he stood up in front of the whole crowd and said, you're clean. Maybe some of the people in the crowd knew her. And they knew, oh, there's that dirty woman. What's she doing here? For Jesus to stop in front of everybody and go, you're clean? Man, talk about an overhaul on your heart. She was emotionally made clean, socially, no longer an outcast. She couldn't even go to church. There was a spiritual cleanse. Like, you couldn't go into the temple in an unclean state for whatever reason. She'd be able to go to the temple, a place she hadn't been in 12 years, to go worship God. To be able to look God in the flesh, in the eyes, and have him say, you're clean? You don't think there was a spiritual healing? Restoration instead of brokenness. That's what happens for the people who reach out and touch Jesus. You know, in the same way if we touch Jesus, we'll experience restoration too. I don't know what he needs to heal in your life. I don't know what he's healed in your life, but likely all of us need to be healed of something. And it's hard when we come to these passages because we look at this woman who had an issue that was a physical issue for 12 years and she reached out in faith and she touched Jesus and she was healed. And we go, wait a second, I've been praying about my loved one who's sick. Man, I've got something going on in my life and I've been praying for years and God hasn't done anything. Does that mean God doesn't heal? No, God still heals. God can heal you just fine. There's just times he chooses not to. Jesus didn't heal everybody. We get the accounts of those who did, but there were a lot of people that he didn't heal. That wasn't his primary purpose. His primary purpose was to preach the gospel, to proclaim the kingdom of God. And sometimes that involved healing people, sometimes that didn't. There are times when God says, no, I'm gonna glorify myself in your weakened state rather than in your healthy state. I mean, we don't have to go any further than the apostle Paul. I mean, you're talking about a man who hated Christians, who came to Christ, was converted, and became a, a, a missionary for Jesus, he had an issue that he was praying about. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 12. A lot of you might be familiar with this passage, but in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, the apostle Paul says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. And he had something going on he wanted out of his life, some sort of infirmity, sickness. There's lots of speculation about what that was, but he asked God to take it. Look what God said to him. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly, said Paul, of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. No, we pray in faith that God can heal. And God will do that at times. There's other times God says, not on this one, because I want to glorify myself through your weakness. I think the question is, will we be faithful? Will we be content whether God chooses to heal us or whether God chooses to use our sickness for his glory? Now, I have a dear friend back in California. Her name is Joy. And she was diagnosed with cancer years and years ago. She's been on a rapid decline for the last years. And she loves Jesus with all her heart. And she's served a ministry. She's an amazing woman. And she's been posting a lot of stuff over the last year, with the last few years on her Facebook page. I want you to understand the attitude of a person who says, I'm praying for a healing and God's not giving it. 
but yet I'm still going to be faithful. In November 25th, she posted this. She said, doctors have found a new tumor in my brain. I will have brain radiation in mid-December. Please pray that God helps me maxim- or maintain my ability to communicate love, compassion, and the healing truth of God through the knowledge of and faith in Christ. Pray also that even in my new season of weakness, I will continue to embrace God's good purposes in all circumstances. Three weeks later, she posted this, December 15th. I'm chemo crashing now. I'm on my third day of 13 brain met radiation. I'm still at peace with God's will for me and my family. And then she quoted Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. February 12th, she passed away. She prayed for healing. She prayed for more years with her kids and grandkids. She prayed for God to touch her life. And yet, at the same time, she says, but if he doesn't, I'm at peace with my God. And his good purposes, even if he chooses not to heal me, and she experienced healings in other areas, relationships. She, I, I believe God used her just as much, if not more, in her weakened state, in her final years, than all the states of her health. Her voice was a little louder. There was a little more urgency, and she proclaimed Christ to her last breath. She got the ultimate healing. But she was healed from cancer, all right. She closed her eyes here and opened them up in the presence of her Savior. Oh, she got healed, all right. This is not the way we thought it would happen. Now, for those who reach out and touch Christ, there's healing. It might be emotional. Jesus might want to touch the emotional wounds of your life and heal you from those. It might be social. Maybe you've got relationships that are broken. You know what? When Jesus comes into your life, you learn some things. You learn that love people, love people. You learn that forgiven people, forgive people. You learn a little bit more about being humble. And God can heal you emotionally, socially, spiritually, broken relationship with God, restored, and God can heal you physically if he chooses to do so. So we don't stop asking. But if you reach out and touch Jesus, man, you experience faith, not curiosity. You experience restoration instead of brokenness, and you experience courage instead of cowardice. Courage instead of cowardice. There's something about our sinfulness that makes us want to run from God instead of running to God. Just something about our sinful state. And the woman here displayed courage in a couple ways. One, she displayed the courage to even go after touching Jesus. You have to remember, she was breaking all sorts of rules to get in that crowd. To Jesus, no matter what. And so she was scared. You know, courage isn't the absence of fear, right? Courage is doing what needs to be done in the face of fear. And she was afraid, but she says, nothing's going to stop me from touching Jesus. And so she entered in the crowd. That took courage. She moved away through the crowd. Who knows? She might have been bumping into people left and right. She might have been crawling down by their feet. Who knows what it took to get to the front of the line, if you will. But we know it took this. It took courage. It took courage. And then it took courage for her to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Then the courage to extend her hand, knowing that it it could bring punishment upon her. And that took a lot of courage for her to do that. It also took courage for her to come out when Christ called her. <laughs> and when he stopped and said, who touched me? You know, there was a definitely a defining moment right there. I'm going to be a coward and I'm going to run. 
because I can't be found out right now. This is not good. I've, I've broken laws, all these things. I'll probably get in trouble. She had the courage. She, I, what, I, what I love about this passage, when you look at this, look at verse 33. Look at verse 33. It says, but when the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She knew what happened. She knew the change that had taken place, so she couldn't deny that. And so with courage, she stepped out from the crowd and says, it was me, and told the whole thing. You know how much courage that took? Have you ever been asked to confess something that you've done wrong in front of a group of people? I mean, can you imagine the... the, the the vulnerability of that moment and in front of a group of people go, I was wrong, I broke the law, I did this, I did that. And I think about times that, you know, I got a speeding ticket. And it's like, you know those people are sitting back there when you go to the court, but you still have to stand in front of the judge and all those people behind you and like plead something. That's, you're nervous. It's just, it's just awkward. Just take that and multiply it beyond your imagination. And encourage for her to stand for all these people and say, and fall before his feet in absolute fear and trembling and say, it was me and here's what I did. That's a courage instead of cowardness. You know, there may be a few of you in here this morning and you're afraid of God. Man, you look at all the things you've done in your life, you look at things, all the things you've said, you look at all the things that you've done and you go, there's no way God would love me. There's no way God would pardon me. And your fear is keeping you away from the one who can heal you. And in the state of cowardness, we run from God. But man, if you touch Jesus, and if you know you need to touch Jesus, you push back the fear. Because you know what? You're not going to have to answer to anybody for your soul but God. Who cares what your family, your friends say? Who cares what anyone in this room says? And if you know you need the Lord, you fix your eyes on Jesus and the same spirit of that woman, you come and just say, I'm gonna fall before you. I'm totally freaked out. I'm scared. I've done a lot of wrong things, but God, if you'll have me. It takes courage to do that. A lot of you in here are followers of Christ. And we've touched Jesus. It says right here, that woman says she knew what happened to her. Look, you know what Jesus has done in your life, right? He's transformed you, and he's transforming you, right? You're still being sanctified. But we have to be men and women of courage because we live among other people who don't know the Lord, and God's told you to speak up. You know what that takes? Courage. Some of you who are brand new believers in this room, man, you haven't even told your family or friends that you're following Jesus. It's gonna take courage for you to go, you know what? I'm following Christ now. I'm following Jesus. I've invited Christ into my life. You're not afraid of what they have to say about that. I'm going to church. You want to come? And they're like, what? Some of you have been living next to people for years. You've been working next to people for years. You've never told them about Jesus. You've never said, you know what? I used to be this way, and Jesus came to my life, and now I'm this. You're, you're, you're thinking, oh, if I bring up God, they'll be like, well, what about evolution and creation? What about this, that? And you're afraid. Like, look. All you got to do is testify about what he did in you. You're an expert in what Jesus has done in you. So speak from your expertise. Before Jesus, I was a mess. And I met Jesus, and I touched him, and he changed me. You know what? I'm still a little bit of a mess, but now I'm a loved mess, and I'm a forgiven mess, and I'm a mess going to heaven, and I'm a mess who's not going to shut up about my Jesus while I'm here on earth. 
courage. And you touch Jesus, you're going to experience courage over cowardice. We've got to be people of courage. You know, you know that this year we've labeled this year as New Life 1024. We're, we're hoping to pray for 10,000 people that don't know Jesus. We're hoping that all of you are having conversations, 24,000 conversations this year about Jesus with courage. We've asked you, go to our website, share your stories. And even if it's like, hey, I've never done this before. I talked to my coworker about Jesus, and she just said, thank you for sharing. Boom, share that. I did get one story this week that I just thought was amazing from a man in our church named Brian. Just listen to how God works. He says, I was at my high school class reunion. I met a man who I did not remember from high school. His name was Tom. As we talked, I shared with him that Jesus loved him. That took courage. <laughs> this opened up a discussion, and it became obvious that he was open to hear what I had to say. It was noisy and crowded, so I got his phone number. I told him I would connect with him later and follow up on our discussion. Two months later, I called Tom. He answered the phone and told me that he was surprised that we were having this conversation. I asked him why. He explained that the day after the reunion, he was diagnosed with advanced cancer. The doctors told him he should have been dead two weeks ago. I met with Tom a few days later. I began to share with him about the condition of man and our desperate need for a loving Savior. As I shared, his wife sat in another part of the room listening. About five minutes into our discussion, his daughter came into the room. She had been listening from the other room. She shared about tremendous pain and loss, and she had endured and how she'd been mad at God for years, but now was ready to follow Jesus. When we finished our discussion, Tom, his wife, and his daughter all prayed to receive Christ. Courage. The only difference between you and Brian is that he had the courage to speak up. Some of you are doing that, man. Praise God. Some of you, it's time to step up. Be praying for people. Be talking to people. Share good reports about Christ because there's a lot of people bumping into him, but they need to touch him. The other thing you experience is if you touch Jesus, you're going to experience compassion instead of condemnation. I want you to remember, here's this woman that for 12 years, over a decade, been living under these rules that if I touch anything, it's dirty. If I touch anybody, it's dirt. They become dirty. And so I'm not allowed not allowed to be in a crowd. I'm breaking a bunch of taboos. And so when Jesus called her out, there was fear. And she, she thought she was going to get condemnation. She thought she was going to get punishment. She thought she was going to get a rebuke probably. And she got a pardon instead of punishment. And she, she got restoration instead of a rebuke. She got compassion instead of condemnation. Look what Jesus said to her. He didn't say much. It's all he said it was enough. Verse 34, he said to her daughter, don't you love that language? He didn't say, hey, you. Hey, woman. Hey, lady. He said, daughter. Isn't that our father who looks at you and says, you're my beloved child? Ladies, here, if you're in Christ, you're a daughter of the king. Precious daughter. Man, you're his sons. Loves us like a father. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Could there have been no sweeter words for that woman to hear as she sat trembling at his feet waiting for rebuke and he hears daughter 
you're good. Have peace. You're all good. You ever think about this? Why did Jesus do that? He could have just been like, oh, someone touched me, got healed. Good for them. Keep walking. Why, why, why do you stop? Why do you call her out? I, I think it was for two reasons. One, Jesus wants to make personal contact with those he heals. <laughs> you can't just bump into Jesus. and you know, you, when you, If you touch him, there's going to be that personal connect. I think he wanted to lock eyes for that woman's benefit and say, you're good. And then also for everyone else around in a public way to say, this woman that's been dirty for 12 years, she's not dirty anymore. She's clean. You better treat her that way. It was a public pardoning. And she experienced this compassion instead of condemnation. And what a great picture of God's forgiveness. You know, Romans 8.1 says this. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great promise? That once you cross that threshold of faith and you put your faith in Jesus, there's no condemnation for you. You're no longer condemned for your sins, for your wrongdoings in your past, because if you trust in Christ, they've been erased by his work on the cross, and you've been cleansed by his resurrection. But I want you to look at that verse a little different. We, we talk about sometimes you need to reverse the verse to have a full understanding. Because if therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what that also means? It means therefore, there is condemnation reserved for those who are not in Christ Jesus. My family, my friends, your family, your friends, you in this room, if this is your, the state of you, if you're not in relationship with Christ, there is condemnation coming. Because there'll be a day when we stand before the God of the universe and we have to account for our sin. And he's gonna go, I gave you the answer, I gave you the cure, I gave you the healing, you just rejected it. You rejected him. I'm sorry, but you chose. Whew. Shouldn't that put a little bit of urgency in us to tell people about Jesus? Because while we don't, and while they don't listen, they're in a state of condemnation. And we have the answer. God's given us the answer and the responsibility to share it. And so when we look at this, man, what a beautiful reminder that there's no more condemnation for us who are in Christ before God. He's given us his compassion. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, God's compassion is waiting to be poured out upon you. And what a reminder that so many others need to hear about the God who loves them and died for them and rose for them is an act of compassion, not condemnation. But you've got to move past bumping into Jesus. If you've got to take hold of him, you've got to touch him. So again, that thought, I want you guys to leave here with this. Bumping into Jesus changes nothing. Touching Jesus changes everything. I hope you've all touched Jesus. I hope you all, like that woman, extended your hand your heart in some way and said, Jesus, I need you. I'm a mess without you. And you've experienced this healing. Here's what I want to do. As we close out, all of you have a program. I'd love for all of you to pull this out right now, every single one of us. Go to the back. There's a response card. I just want to do a little fun exercise with you guys here just to bring application to what we're talking about. There's a little box. In that box, I would like all of you to draw a symbol. Here's your options. They're listed below. If you need to place your faith in Christ, you're not in relationship with God through Christ. You've never placed your faith in Christ. You need to reach out and touch Christ. They put a cross in there. Just put a cross in there. And in a minute, I'm gonna give you time to pray. I tell you what, there's no magic formula. There's no special words. There's a concept that you basically need to give to God in your own words. Uh, I need you. <laughs> I need you in my life. And there's kind of a sample there on your program that you can pray. For some of you, uh, maybe this is the first time you've been in church in years. 
Or maybe you're here and you've been coming, but just like that woman and Jesus knew out of the whole crowd that something wasn't right there, you know there's not something right. You've you've not been walking with God. You can draw a little refresh symbol there. Today I'm refreshing my relationship with Jesus. Today I'm coming back in relationship with him. I'm recommitting my life to Christ. I've been living for myself. I'm done with that. Man, you're like that woman. You've spent everything on everything that humanity has to offer you, and you're realizing it doesn't satisfy. You come back to the one who does. Maybe you've got questions. You're like, okay, this is great. I'm curious. I'm kind of bumping into Jesus, but before I touch him, I've got some questions. Write a question mark. That's basically your invitation to say, come talk to me. Pick up the phone. Send me an email. Get in touch with me. I've I've got some spiritual questions. We'd love to get in touch with you. How can we be used by God to help? Maybe... Some of you are just going to draw a smiley face. <laughs> a smiley face means you know the Lord. You're in relationship with the Lord. It's all good. And you're just celebrating that today. I, I invite all of you right now, put a symbol in there, every single one of you. And in a minute, when we receive our offering, would you do me a favor? Would all of us rip that off? And would all of us put that in the basket? We'd love to just hear from you on where you're at with the Lord. And so we're going to do that here in a minute. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give you a minute right now just to pray. So as you write that symbol, there's just kind of a little bit of a template, a little bit of a guide of how you can spend these next few minutes in prayer. I say pray that or something like that. And then we're done. Pastor Nate's going to close out that time and lead us in the closing song. So take this minute right now and just fill that out.